Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and I'm here today with my guest, Leela, all the way in... Where do you live again? The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we're on a weird time zone difference here in Nashville. Um, it's super early morning for me, and then it's like afternoon for you, but thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. By the way, it's almost 3 p.m. here, so... There you go. That tells you how good I am at being on time, because it was supposed <laughs> to be 2 o'clock when we started. You've been sitting there for an hour waiting for me to stop talking about myself and get everything set up here, but... Oh, well, it's fine. I mean, the Dutch were very much on time, but I don't mind it. <laughs> you're, I don't mind you must it. Have been, you're probably ready 30 minutes before the start time, right? So... Yeah, because I was trying to figure out this whole setup, and then I realized that I don't have the uh, converter, or I don't have two USB converters, uh -huh. so I was basically just wasting my own time. <laughs> it's totally fine, because um, I've been having issues with my like Elgato Camlink thing with the new M1 Max. I don't know if it's my computer or software that has gotten wonky, but anyways, we're both actually using our new revolutionary MacBook m1 max webcams 1080p for the first time on a macbook and it still looks like a potato <laughs> it looks like poop it looks really bad it doesn't look it doesn't look like five thousand bucks no it's, mm. why can't they do a good webcam i don't understand it's like I, maybe that's what they meant with unrivaled it's unrivaled <laughs> and unrivaled how do you, how would you say that unrivally bad is that even yeah. a word <laughs> I've seen a lot of, I feel like a lot of reviewers weren't honest about it. Like, yeah, the webcam's better. I mean, I don't, I don't even think it's better. I think it just looks equally as terrible as it's always looked. And it's got this awful, like smoothening, like plastic skin kind of effect on it too. And you can't turn that off. It looks weird. It looks weird. And I'm honestly a little bit um, insulted that, I, that we need it, right? <laughs> Why aren't we good enough the way that we are? What is this Apple? Anyways, I set my MacBook on my tripod, so it's like far away from me here. Um, but anyways, so yeah, that's one of the things I'd love to talk to you about. Um, you're an editor, you're a creator, a YouTuber, um, you're on the M1 Max. I also just bought one, so we could talk about that. Um, we could talk about your whole career as a creator and everything. But first, I want to talk about how we first met, which was at Vid Summit um, 2019, I guess. I still have nightmares. I don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> we we met at Vid Summit in 2019 in LA. Yeah. And Dave, you came in. You were filming this parody or what, which one was it? Yeah. I, so first off, let it be known that I did not have a ticket to Vid Summit. I literally just showed up. So I wasn't even there. Oh, and for the people who don't know what Vid Summit is, it's a yearly conference, right? Where creators yeah. and industry leaders or whatever, everyone comes together. There are a lot of talks. It's more, prof um, it's like a more professional version of VidCon, which was always the most popular like YouTube conference. But Daryl Eves and now Mr. Beast um, kind of started it. And uh, I think Mr. Beast owns it now. I think he bought it from, from Daryl. So yeah or at least part of it but it's very yeah. it's very inspiring and it's very informative but for me the best part is meeting other people because usually youtube is a very in my opinion lonely job because i don't really have any fellow youtubers around me uh -huh. so i'm just like behind my desk all day every day by myself so going to a place like um vid summit 
where you meet other YouTube creators and not just YouTube creators, but like people who are very passionate about doing YouTube full time and building businesses. That was very inspiring until I met Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't think it, so, I, so I kind of forgot about this uh, interaction until you reminded me. So that's a good example of how when you're when something happens and you feel embarrassed like and then you bring it up and people are like huh what I, oh no i don't remember that you know yeah it's like it's like every time that i see dave's name pop up on twitter i'm like huh don't want to be reminded of that so basically what happened was <laughs> no, just... uh it's not that big of a deal but um i think i i was filming for the gear guy video that i was working on at the time i ended up not using any of the footage because it didn't fit the um the tone of what I ended up making. Um, I mean, you could just say that it was just so badly filmed. No, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> you couldn't use it. <laughs> I think Sean, Sean Cannell or Sean Cannell, the guy from Think Media Productions was there and I had him and Jevin Dovey and I was just like dancing to the music, I think. Um, yeah, so what happened was you walked in without a ticket, right? Yeah. And I, I, I overheard you say that and I was standing nearby and you said very specifically, which is why I still have nightmares about this. You said, it's so great to be at a place where everyone can film. I can just hand my camera to someone and they know how to film. Uh -huh. And guess what happened? <laughs> he handed me the camera to film this bit with Sean and with uh, Jevin. And um, I didn't record the whole thing. Like <laughs> I, and then I hit the record button and then I saw that I was recording and I was like, yeah. crap. <laughs> it's totally fine. That was very, very, it was very ironic. embarrassing for me. It was an ironic moment. Yeah. But nobody cared. You're very nice about it. It's just one of those things, you know, you can make it such a big deal in your own head while the other person has already forgotten about it. And you're not like, oh, yeah. Lila, that loser, never talking to her again. While I could just be like, oh, Dave, you would never want to talk to me again after that. No, <laughs> you know? no, no, no. We don't. No, it's not. That's not how it works. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's pretty cool that um, you flew all the way to L.A. to go to Vid Summit that year. That must have been uh, an expensive journey to get out there. Yeah, so um, I also didn't buy a ticket. I actually won a ticket. It's all like... Oh, really? Yeah, so those whole... So I, when was it again? I think it was in September, October. I think, yeah, it was in October. And I only started my channel in June that year. So it was all okay. pretty pretty wild to go to LA just a few months. Like, I've never been in the US or, or, or... Yeah, I've never been anywhere in the US. So to go from just starting my channel without the intention of growing my channel. I just wanted to have like a mm -hmm. little creative space where, you know, I knew a little bit about video editing that I wanted to share and I wanted to make some vlogs and hopefully meet some other creatives that I could talk to because like I said, I don't really have any fellow um, YouTubers or filmmakers around me. So that is why I started my channel and I never had any intention uh, of growing my channel, but then it kind of, mm -hmm happened and first i went to belfast um to mm -hmm. um power of video and then i won tickets to la and i was like okay now now i gotta wow. go you know so i just uh I, I i scraped together all the money that i that i could find and have so i could uh, <laughs> i could get on a plane and i could go to la it was it's one of my fondest memories and i cannot wait for it all to start again because i miss yeah. it i miss I mean, being around well, fellow creatives and I think a lot of people over the last two years have um, realized like how valuable those types of events were. And I look back on, you know, um, Vid Summit and CES and NAB and all those types of things very fondly. Um, 
because it was like such a different time. We were so carefree, just going out, enjoying life, not worrying about anything. It was awesome. So hopefully things yeah. will be back to normal soon. But um, I've been saying that for two years now. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is normal now. No, but I really hope that yeah. those events can happen again because uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I miss it. Sometimes it gets really tough, you know, to be creating by yourself all the time. And it's just it does, really yeah. nice to be around other creatives and you can talk to people who actually get what you're doing and what you're saying yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole thing that is very hard to explain um but yeah youtubers and and creatives in general they get it so i cannot wait for those events to happen again so tell me about yourself and how you kind of got started into into video um in general have you been a professional creator before youtube did it all kind of just happen at once like tell me your journey uh, as a creator yeah, so um, as a as a kid, I've always been into storytelling. And um, first, when I when I could write, I would write. Like I went to this musical group every Saturday, and we would practice, and we would have like a performance every I don't know even uh, when. But I was always into telling stories, so I'd write my own plays, and then I would invite my friends to act out those plays with me. And then when I got older, I got really into video and filming, um, but I never really pursued that. Um, because mm -hmm. I had to choose the responsible route, take care of myself, all those things. And then about three years ago now, I thought, you know what, maybe I want to start a video production company. Like I started editing a little bit here and there at this very ambitious idea to start a video production company without a lot of experience. Um, mm. But I quickly, I quickly realized as I was doing that, you know, when you start a video production company, you need to work for free. And every time that I created something for free, the clients didn't treat me as well as I would hope they would, um, mm. or they would not really treat you with like the respect as it, when they pay you, they take you more seriously. I think that's what, where I'm getting at. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start a, a YouTube channel where I could have that creative outlet and I can hopefully meet a few people who are also in this same, you know, who are also interested in video editing and making videos. And that is how I um, started my channel. But when it comes to video, it's just something that I've always, I don't know, there's something has always drawn me to, um, how do you say that, motion pictures? just moving pictures it's been it's always been yeah motion I don't pictures know. yeah it's always been something that i've just been <laughs> cinema is cinema yeah <laughs> yeah no so i i guess i don't know i don't know where it or it came from it was just something that i've always just telling stories through video format and now being able to help other people tell their stories through video format that's just i don't know i love it it's my passion it's kind of fun um well, that's a cool story, by the way. Um, it is uh, fun and ironic, sort of, that like when you become a YouTuber, especially in the niche that I previously was in and that you're in, you're making videos about making videos. So it's kind of like you're you're exercising those skills, but you're also just I don't know. It's like you're teaching people how to do it. Yeah. But like the only thing that people are seeing is you making videos about making videos. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of silly but um it's funny that you mentioned that because i've been thinking about it a lot because ever since i started my youtube channel and my channel started growing and you know um i got attention from brands and all that stuff i you know you start doing what like i still i still like what i do i still like making tutorials and all that but 
you start doing these things that kind of keep you from being creative. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like I became, and I, this happens to a lot of YouTubers, you kind of become like the presenter instead of the creative because you're not really making any creative stuff anymore because you're just teaching other people how to make creative stuff. And I need to move back a little bit and be creative myself instead of just teaching and explaining other people how to do something. Yeah, I think uh, you see that a lot with a lot of creators. I feel like um, often are like, I'm kind of getting tired of this. Like Gerald Undone had a vi- big like vlog where he was like, I don't know, guys, like, I, I'm always the guy reviewing the stuff. Like, I don't know if I can just do this every day. And that's because humans are um, like creative people. And we're especially people who are literally creatives. Um, it's hard to be put in a box and to be told, you can only do this type of content. And there are people who thrive in that way. Um, people with personalities that are maybe more business minded, who are thinking of it in a more business way. Like, I'm going to talk about this thing because it works and the analytics are telling me this and that. Like, um, I interviewed uh, Maddie uh, Hopoya and he seemed to be kind of more in line with that, where he's like, he literally said in my interview, YouTube is not an art form, it's a science. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but what if you're an artist? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, I totally um, get that. And I think uh, a lot of artists can relate because it's um, it's common that you see that. I mean, Casey Neistat is like the ultimate example. He basically had one of the most successful YouTube channels on YouTube. And um, he could have gotten to a healthier place with it where he's not posting every single day, um, maybe once a week or even two times a month I would be happy with but he's like screw it I don't you know I don't want to do this anymore I'm maybe he either was bored with it or tired of the the system or whatever I don't know what I don't know what happened internally for him to basically stop being a youtuber um but he 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 was so famous and so successful it's almost like he still is a youtuber no nobody is calling him not a youtuber um and I think he'll probably I, yeah. continue to make stuff uh, over the next couple of years, I would assume. But yeah, I mean, now uh, he even has a course where he can learn how to how to vlog the way that he vlogs, right? So he's still doing he's still doing it. But yeah, he took a he took a long yeah. break. Just with YouTube, it's the never ending discussion that I have with myself and my friends. It's just basically what 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 Maddie said about it's a science. Like you can niche down, and you can thrive, and you can get all of the results because that is the way to get results, right? Like focus on the M1 Max, really milk it, only talk about it. People will love it. You'll get thousands and thousands of subscribers. That's the way to go. But then my heart becomes very unhappy when I do that. And it's just this Mm -hmm. constant thing where you're like, yeah, but I want to do what I want to do. But at the same time, it is also kind of a business, you know? And for creators like myself who aren't like, I mean, I'm getting there, but I'm not like as established to a point where I could just peace out for a year and just do whatever because the money is coming in like those are all decisions that you have to make all the time um which is i think something that i haven't really heard a lot of people talk about because i think a lot of people are kind of like glamorizing um being a youtuber they want to be a youtuber and it's the best thing ever i'm not complaining at all but i do think that there is more to um being one 
<clears throat> sorry I've, I've been going off i've been muting myself when you talk because my son uh just woke up he's two years old and he's making a lot of noises so when you talk i mute it <laughs> so <laughs> that's why there's a little bit of a pause there but you're so you're so right and um i don't know i think there's a healthy balance with everything and um one of the things that I've enjoyed this last year, it seems like it's it's been a um, a common thing that a lot of creators have been saying um, on the high end, like Mr. Beast in particular, you, you really want to optimize for humans, not the algorithm, and rethink the whole idea of like optimizing for the algorithm and just replace the word algorithm with humans and think about your titles and your topics and things in the way that you would want things to, uh, how you would naturally as a consumer consume things and respond to things because at the end of the day the people clicking on the videos are not robots they are people so true um and people understand that not everything's the same and not everybody's the same so you know if you switch it up and maybe the views aren't as high as doing an m1 max video but your core fan base ends up seeing it and um loving it you know that's still yeah. Like the the we talked about this before I we recorded, but the parodies that I did did not perform the way that I was hoping. Um, but I only made like two really, and I didn't really give it like a fair shot. I could have if I did one every single month over the next like couple years, maybe eventually they would have grown um, and worked. But even then, like the you know a, a review gets a hundred thousand views or more, but the the like music video got like you know twenty thirty thousand, which was decent, but it wasn't like you know going viral by any means. But that's one of the things that people bring up all the time is like, I saw your parody, it was awesome. It's like, oh, well, you're one of the twenty thousand people that saw it, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But do you know this guy uh, Sam Newton? I just looked him up. He of has course. a few. Yeah, he has a few par parodies. I think you I can call them stuff. parodies, love... right? Well, yeah. I mean, they're. Um... It's, they're not really parodies they're like uh just songs that he wrote yeah yeah but there is like uh like the one with peter mckinnon is that i don't know what the mm -hmm. what the proper word for it is i would say as a non-english or like it's not my mother tongue so i would say it's a parody because it's like a funny kind of song but maybe i'm yeah. wrong i think yeah i guess yeah I, I think a parody is taking a known song and then making a parody of it meaning mm, like yeah Okay. Like I took uh, "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish and made a yeah. parody called "Gear Guy." True, yeah. true. But thanks for the I, lesson. Um, Learn something new today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like comedy music, though, for sure. And he's like a, a legit, you know, like musician. I'm a musician too, but like not, not at that level. Okay, so Sam, if you're listening to this, I didn't mean to insult you. I'm just blaming my uh, my really, vocabulary. <laughs> I'd love to have him on and talk to him about it. Um, but my my whole debacle is like the the niche that we're in is like smaller than i like <laughs> like i i don't know i'm like it's cool like sam spent you spend all this time on the production and making it look really good because the audience is a bunch of professional filmmakers and photographers so like if it's not lit well and if the audio isn't good then your people won't take you seriously because it's like you have to be good enough for everybody to kind of be like Oh yeah, the lighting's great. The color grading looks great. The editing's great. But like you go to any other niche on YouTube and the barrier of entry is like so much lower in terms of like the production quality, which mm -hmm. means you can make more content, which means you can like, you don't have to focus on 
all those things. I mean, Casey Neistat uh, didn't necessarily light things and shoot on the best camera, but his storytelling was like epic and amazing. Um, so yeah. that's a good example of, of it. And McKinnon obviously blew up, but his numbers are getting like going way down. Like he's got 5 million subs and he's getting like 100,000 views on videos, which in my opinion is like not working. So he's going to have to change something. But I, I haven't know. looked at his channel in a while. Like I haven't looked at the numbers or anything, so I have no idea where he's at. But I think that when it comes to YouTube, there is always like ebbs and flows. So sometimes yeah. it's 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 doing better and other times it isn't and i think that especially when it comes to honestly i have a lot of respect for people who have been in the game longer i mean peter i don't know how long he's been in the game but to stay relevant and to continue to get views and to continue yeah. to like get get all of these subscribers i think that that is probably like a, a skill by itself 100%. to stay relevant absolutely. you know that's yeah, really absolutely. um and I don't mean to put that down at all. I'm oh, just no, no, being, no, no, no. I know, I'm just I being know. analytical and yeah. seeing that. Yeah, I think you're right. The trend, like of the gear review kind of boom, if you will, I feel like was during the McKinnon rise. Yeah, and the, the B-roll. Casey Neistat, mm. and that's right when I started. And I feel lucky to be in that kind of time period because if I were to have started now, there's no way. I, I don't want to say no way, but it's it's definitely not. Um, the same because when I started Kinotika four years ago there weren't as many people doing it and I felt like it was a, a good advantage but times change I feel like people I'm just I've become like an old fart at this point because like uh, <laughs> I feel like people would have said the same thing four years ago too like ah, things are different it's not how it used to be that's just how that's how life is but I mean um, I, feel, I feel like when you when when it comes to Peter McKinnon his he really blew up. There was no way to to continue that. You know, it's going to slow down at some yes. point. And I think that that era with the B-roll and the the gear reviews, I feel like we're kind of past that. I mean, you see the same with a friend of mine, Peter Lindgren. He really blew mm -hmm. up because of yeah, the B-roll. Um, oh, cool. Wait, he, am I? Wait. Am familiar. I friends with him? <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> of you? Sam uh, T. Uh, T. Sam. It's a Swedish guy. Peter Lindgren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. Okay, so he he also he like he really blew up because of the because of the B roll stuff, right? But now the whole B roll thing is kind of over, so now it's time to reinvent yourself. And what's the next best thing? Like, I don't know to be honest. Like, I haven't really watched anything with it inside our niche lately, which is kind of bad. But it is what well, that's it is. The... Yeah, I think. Um... People are needing to like learn deeper stuff like storytelling and editing. And that's really where your channel comes in, I think, because you do focus on editing and more than just the gear and um, going into topics that are actually like beneficial and helpful to people who are making a living. True. Um, who I love when it comes to that stuff is Hayden. Hayden yes. Hillier-Smith. Yeah. He is the king when it comes to that stuff. Like. <laughs> his stuff is every time that i watch it like i watched his uh i got his workshop i don't even remember when that was like i don't have any sense of time anymore but i watched his workshop as well and it's so so inspiring to see him break oh, down yeah. one of He's his own great. edits but yeah i think that when it, i i do think that there is in general i do see kind of 
uh, a movement towards more storytelling and more experience rather than just mm-hmm. the gear. And I mean, I noticed that with myself as well, because a few years ago when, you know, the whole um, B-roll thing was hot, I was interested in that as well. But now I don't really watch anything inside my niche. I, when it comes to my own vlogs, I like raw vlogs. I like not nothing that is too edited when it comes to vlogs. I just like to experience and just chill and just... Mm-hmm. experience a story and i feel like that is where um a lot of people are heading you see a lot of people starting myself included a vlog channel you know and they start vlogging more and there seem, seems to be an interest in that as well so it's very interesting to see where we're heading you started a vlog channel yeah i did it's kind of on a dl but um i did okay what's it called it's called Lila's Life. I don't know if you can find it. I only have like uh, less than yeah, 300 yeah. I subscribers. Went, I went to your channel and went to channels. You know, Is it the there? Tab. It's not there, no. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, like you don't, I said, you don't I can... want it to. Oh, no, no, There's... it's fine. It, it's fine. If people want to find it, they can find it. But I am not like uber promoting it. Okay, because it's just... you're still working on it. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I, I don't really I don't really need it to grow. It's just really my playground where I can just create whatever I want and I can play around with vlog formats and just if I yeah. want to upload a video of my cat, I'll do that, you know? <laughs> so it's not necessarily something that I that I need to promote, but I'm honestly I'm welcoming everyone who's interested in that. Or there's just one rule and that is that it's my playground and if you don't like my videos, you can just leave. You can just go to my main channel. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So Leela's Leela's uh, Leela's life. life. Yeah, cool. I can Everybody send you the link I'll if link you want to see it. Yeah, totally. And by the way, congratulations! You're almost at one hundred thousand subscribers. You're you're almost there. So if you haven't subscribed to Leela, go over to uh, YouTube.com/slash Leela from YouTube, and you can subscribe. By the way, I love that kind of like handle and stuff. I've always like I literally when I think of your name like i associate it with your username which is oh yeah it's leela from youtube oh that's <laughs> such a branding disaster though because i never intended to be leela from youtube and now everyone calls me that so i'm kind of going by it but it was, like, <laughs> it was this whole thing because on youtube i'm called leela and then mm-hmm. on social media i thought it would be super smart to be leela from youtube you know leela the one from youtube but now everyone mm-hmm. on youtube everywhere everyone calls me leela from youtube so i just accepted <laughs> it it's my it's my it's my it's my thing now so let's talk about uh the m1 max because uh that's we we tried to get you on the podcast before and i think i don't remember what happened but i as you can tell, I'm kind of all over the place. So I think a lot of things were going on at the time, but I was reminded to get you on the show when I was looking around for M1 Max reviews and videos and yours popped up about the 16 inch um, for travel, too big for travel um, and stuff like that. And I really loved the the video and I also have a 16 inch MacBook Pro M1 Max or whatever. Um, <laughs> how has your kind of experience been with it Obviously, the webcam isn't the best, but um, overall, how have you enjoyed it coming from whatever you had previously? So previously, I edited on a PC. It's a $800 custom build PC, so it's nothing too fancy, nice. but it did the job for me. 
Um, so I didn't, I desperately needed a laptop because I was like, I am going nuts at my desk all day, every day. I need to be able to move <laughs> a little bit. Also, when I go on trips, for example, I went on a trip with uh, Epidemic to Sweden. I want to be able to edit there as well, you know? So I was yeah. waiting for this MacBook for an entire year because I had this, like, I am not really in, I mean, I said that I'm not really an Apple sheet, but if you see all the Apple products that I have now, I'm definitely, I definitely am. But I, <laughs> I love everything about this MacBook. To be honest, I don't really, th I don't think that at this moment I have any complaints. Like the battery life is crazy. When I edit a video, I can edit for six hours on maximum brightness while listening to Spotify or being on Chrome. It's mm -hmm. insane. What do you think about <laughs> That's it? That's awesome. I love it. I've I've been on Apple Silicon for a year now uh, with the M1 uh, Mac Mini. I bought that last year. So it's not as much of like a crazy shift um, overall because I've been using Apple Silicon. The big difference is um, obviously going from a Mac mini to a MacBook also similar to you. It's like, I need a, a portable machine. Um, I love having the SD card slot. I, I think I overbought, um, I, I bought more than I needed to be honest. What did you um, get? I've talked about it on Twitter a little bit. I maxed it out. So I got the top end in one Mac. Like I, the day it came out, my uh, cousins ordered it. And now that I'm going free, the people I've been working with full time, um, they bought it. So like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with them because they paid for it. But now that I'm going freelance uh, in February, uh, which they weren't aware of at the time when we ordered it, um, well, they kind of knew that I may be going freelance and I was, they were like, well, we'll just sell it to you when you go freelance. So now I'm buying it from them. Um, I really want to say kinda, something. So You're... basically I maxed it out. I got 64 you... gigs of Ram. I got the top end M1 max processor and four terabytes of storage. I love having four terabytes of storage. I literally have only 600 gigs free because I've used th over three terabytes already since I got it. So nice. I don't want to skimp on that because it's been huge for me to be able to work off of the computer with the super fast drive speed. But anyways, I wish I kind of basically just got a base model with like four terabytes and just and that's it. But now if you were to order that, it's going to take till March to get it. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I got my... So what, uh, the thing that I wanted to say is that you got a maxed out MacBook in silver. <laughs> yes. That's that one, just that's hurts. One, that's the thing that... <laughs> it's like when you see somebody... I guess it's kind of a nice kind of like underground, like, oh, he has a silver computer. He must not be a professional. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's maxed out. Like it's totally specced yeah. out. Well, maybe and they won't like, oh, steal really? it. Maybe they're that's just hilarious. like, oh, we don't want the silver one. You can keep it. That's actually a great um, idea for a video. It's like a conversation. Like I show up to a job and I have this silver computer. <laughs> and like, oh, is that powerful enough for what we're working on? I'm like, what do you mean? It's the MacBook Pro, the the new one. It's like, yeah, but it's it's silver. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like it's. You have to do that. <laughs> it's completely maxed out. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, that's impossible. You can't have a maxed out silver MacBook. <laughs> yeah, but it's silver. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that's so funny. You have to make that. Okay. I can make that. Cool. That's like a TikTok video. That, that, yeah. That, that, could that would be so good. You're really good at that's that stuff. Good. So you should definitely make that. Oh, thanks. 
too but much yeah. information. Well, I'm sorry. It. What what were we talking about earlier? <clears throat> no, so yeah, I mean you're you're using an inferior program, uh, Adobe Premiere. So you have to have <laughs> a computer that can handle it because in the past. Uh, Apple computers weren't the best at Premiere, so I'm just joking. I'm, of course, I'm joking. I know, I know, I know. As a Final Cut user, I can, I can joke. Yeah, but um, obviously, like, um, I think a lot of Adobe users were curious about Apple Silicon because it's obviously not as optimized as like Resolve and Final Cut, Um, but it's getting like much better. They've been continuing to update it. I think Premiere now runs native um, on the silicon chip, right? So um, it's definitely a lot better than it was last year when the switch happened. Um, yeah. How has yeah. your, your performance been in Premiere and uh, with with all the stuff that you use? Yeah, no. So for me, it's been really good. I know that Adobe, they work really closely with Apple as well. So they've been working on this integration before this laptop came out. And I personally, I haven't had any, like, I have been mind blown when I'm using, um, when I'm using Premiere Pro, I do not have any issues, which is great because I can do things that I, well, of course, like I had a $800 custom built PC. So, you know, the comparison isn't really that fair because this thing is way too expensive, but (laughs) I can do everything without having like without dropping frames or it's just i don't know it just it it just plays back it does everything like even with when i add effects or when i'm like on my pc i couldn't really do any dynamic linking between after effects and premiere you know and now i can do everything and it just runs Mm -hmm. smoothly so so far i am um i'm very happy with with it but i've heard a lot of stories before this macbook came out about the original m m1 chip i think it's called mm-hmm. what is it called yeah yeah the m1 that yeah. was a disaster but now i don't yeah. know i think that they were on time this time they were uh, they were on top of it yeah they had a whole year to work on it you know because it's the same architecture as the m1 so they over the last year they've been optimizing it now when the pro chip came out with the m1 pro and the m1 max um that's great and by the way i hate the name is is awful the m1 max it's it's like i'm saying multiple Macintosh computers with an M1 chip basically it's like M1 MACS yeah M1 Max like last year a bunch of M1 Max came out but then this year the M1 Max came out it's awful <laughs> why did they yeah i get it <clears throat> why did I they don't, do that i don't i don't know i wish i mean that goes for a lot of tech right a lot of tech has very unsexy names or well, just i think i've been like obsessed thinking about Xbox like Microsoft has the worst naming ever for xbox like the original xbox and then xbox 360 that was kind of a cool name yeah but um, what is it now then it went to the xbox one which doesn't make any sense because the xbox one technically was the first xbox and then and then there's the one s and then the one x and then they so s and x already existed Mm -hmm. with the one and then now the brand new one is the xbox series x and the series s so it's like why don't you, you just me. go <laughs> i know it doesn't make any sense no but i mean imagine if you have the m1 pro macbook pro that doesn't like the m1 max yeah. macbook pro is a little bit easier to say than the m1 pro macbook pro i think they were like the rumors before they a name like before the announcement everybody was calling <laughs> it the m1x which that i think is better. cool yeah it's like 
do you have the macbook pro with the m1x chip in it like that mm -hmm. sounds awesome why what didn't they do that yeah i don't know how would you call the m1 pro chip then the m1p yeah I got, you could do <laughs> p <laughs> you could just do just forget naming it forget naming it two different things just have multiple tiers and just call it the m1x it's like you know you have the the baser the base model of that and because mm -hmm. it is the same it's just uh, whatever i don't want to get it on we have no control over this and like yeah they spend tons of money on marketing and they've they've figured out that this works i guess they're really good at marketing they are ex like do you I've remember never... when the uh, ipad I'm... came out i thought that was the dumbest name ipad it was supposed to be iTablet, I think is what everybody thought it was. Oh, well, like iPad that. is a lot better than iTablet, right? <laughs> but like SNL made a joke about it um, because it's like pad. People before iPad thought of it like, you know, women products. Oh, like. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> SNL did a whole like spoof of that. So the oh, iPad. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Mm. <laughs> that's so funny. I need to see that. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I've never watched an Apple event in my life, except for the one where this one was announced. And I oh, really? was... I Yeah, because I'm not really... Like, I only got, a, got an iPhone for the first time this year. It seems to be way more of a nice. thing in the US where everyone has an iPhone. But here, having an iPhone is not that common. Okay. Like, a that's lot of great. People, a lot of that's people a healthier... Just, system because then you don't have the uh the iMessage blue and green bubble shaming going on what is that about that's so, so it's a, it's like a new trend right now it's trending on twitter and stuff basically <laughs> i mean it's not it hasn't been a problem people have always just known this forever but like um yeah i mean the iMessage is the number one messaging app in america and not everywhere WhatsApp. else yeah but everywhere else in the world it's whatsapp like I don't I know and I, that that would be a better solution honestly because it's it's on the web and like it, it's completely you know it doesn't matter what phone you have it's all the same yeah you know? but, yeah it, there's um, this weird thing ever since I got an iPhone people would welcome me to this blue bubble club and I was like okay <laughs> it's a whole like thing a it's chat. like yeah no like they would actually on Twitter they would they would oh, congratulate the blue, me blue bubble yeah club yeah because it's, now um, it's a mental thing. I think that would be an interesting like uh, video essay for somebody to make. Um, but <clears throat> it, unfortunately, it really has problems uh, in high school uh, because it's true. Like if you're a kid in America and like you're a part of a group text and you have an Android, you basically ruin it for the whole group. Like if, if there's like six people that have iPhones and then there's a seventh person with an Android because that one person has an android now the whole thing is sms only and it's not you know mms mm -hmm. which means you can't do the like the thumbs up you can't send like bitmojis like the green bubble basically ruins it for everybody so there's become this social shaming almost of like oh man get get so and so out of this group because he's ruining the the group text you know how privileged is that right we can shame yeah. other people for not having iphones like what world do we live in that's <clears throat> wild but that's but the funny thing too is like you could be on an expensive android that's more than an iphone se you know like mm -hmm. the the iphone se is like 299 or whatever so like you could you could be using a cheap iphone and still be a part of the club but 
um yeah it's it's interesting and um you know it would be cool if if apple made an i iMessage app for android that would be awesome but would, they're but not going to do that people, would apple people actually like i've been thinking about that would apple people actually that. that'd be awesome you do i mean i don't yeah, mind I would, either i would probably switch to one of those <laughs> probably, things that i feel like <laughs> i'd probably switch to a pixel if it did <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all. Awesome. So you're you're still on iPhone because of the iMessage thing? Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that are like, seriously, you have an Android, you're ruining the group chat. Let's get like, <laughs> if we're, my solution isn't like go away. I don't want to be your friend. It's like okay, if you, you know, I would love for you to be a part of a group. Let's think about our other solutions like WhatsApp or you know, let's just take this to Instagram. DM or whatever like it's just a way better user inner like it's a way better uh, experience using a web-based uh, messaging system it's faster you get all the emojis you get all the interesting you know there's there's a yeah. lot of reasons why using SMS like traditional texting is like I feel like it's dead in the water now like nobody uses it anymore unless mm -hmm. it's an, emer an emergency or something but um anyways uh that's kind of what's going on. And for some reason, it's like in the news now. It's become like a, a trending topic again, even though it's been known for years. And um, I've heard, like this never obviously happened to me because um, it was a little before my time when I was dating my wife and stuff. You know, it didn't matter. But I've heard that it's been an issue for like people in the dating scene. It's like if you give your number to, to a girl and then you have an android and they see you have a green bubble like it's it's like a social issue too like from a dating perspective but here's the question <laughs> would you want to date someone who judges you because you have an android phone <laughs> yeah. like, come That'd be on. Stupid. <laughs> but yeah i mean that's why i'm asking like would apple people actually be down with um having iMessage available to android users because i also feel like it's kind of like a status thing with apple users you know so they don't just want well, everything to be accessible those, to everyone. Well, those people that you're talking about, they they suck. Like we, I don't, yeah. I don't want. That's not the. Of course, I would love iMessage on Android. I personally, and I think a lot of other um, reasonable people would say that as well. <laughs> um, but it's obvious that it is a selling feature of the iPhone. So I don't think they're going to get rid of it. And yeah. Um, also, same what about for Mac. AirDrop? Same for Mac, though. Like, the argument could be made for PC. Like, they should make an iMessage app for, for Windows as well. Yeah. But, again, that's another reason. It's like, why do you work on a Mac? Well, for me, I also use Final Cut, so I have no other option. Yeah. But it's like, I use Final Cut, I love AirDrop, and iMessage. <laughs> so it's like, those are, like, very crucial things. And there's no software limitation keeping them from making iMessage and airdrop on Android or uh, PC. So yeah, that's why I went with the Apple ecosystem because, like I said, I had I I've always had Android phones. I've always had PCs or like regular Windows laptops. But for my creativity, I wanted something like I wanted a workflow that just works, and I don't want any cables or anything. So <laughs> yeah. the 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 MacBook with the iPhone with the airdrop is just it's magic it's the best it really thing is. that i've ever experienced and it helps so much especially with a macbook you usually use it on the go right i mean right now i just ever since i got this macbook i have never i haven't used my pc anymore but you use your macbook on the go or while you're anywhere else so uh -huh. just being able to airdrop things to your macbook and vice versa 
is totally a game changer. It's one yeah, of it's, the main it, reasons why I moved <clears throat> to uh, the Apple ecosystem. I, I wish um, Apple would make a USB-C uh, iPhone so that the transfer would be faster. That's one of the reasons why I didn't upgrade this year to the 13 Pro mm-hmm. or whatever. I love the fact that they're doing ProRes now on it. That's incredible. But it's like, it seems like it's really, really slow over the USB 2, USB 2 speed on the lightning cable. And then obviously AirDrop is, isn't as fast either. Um, so that's, I hope that they'll change that with the Pro model in mm-hmm. the future. Um, what do you think like of my... the... What do you think of the bokeh on the 13? So my uh, my wife just got the 13, like the mm-hmm. normal 13, not the Pro. Um, Verizon was doing a deal for Christmas. It was great. It was like she had a 10s Max, which is like a three or four year old phone now. And it's only worth like 400 bucks normally. But um, they gave us $800 for it. Uh, which is crazy. It's, it was like a special they were doing. So I was like, we got to jump on this. So they gave us 800 for that. And then we put that towards the 13, which meant we didn't have to pay anything, which was great. So anyways, we got the phone. I started playing with it and I was pretty surprised with how um, effective it is. It's obviously not a real camera um, and it's going to have holes in it, but for what it's going to be used for, which is social media and like normal people filming their kids, like mm-hmm. it's totally great. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ready for pro use yet necessarily, but I could see myself using it for B-roll, uh, of products in particular. I find that it works well with things that aren't humans actually pretty well. So like, yeah, when um, the edges are more defined than with, because that's what, like yeah. every time that I see someone film an Instagram story with the, I don't know if it's called like the cinematic mode or whatever, but the like, cinematic with the, mode, yeah. It's the worst. It's very. You can really see that. You can really see that it's fake. But I think yeah, that with products, exactly. when the when the edges are more defined, maybe the software has an easier uh, time with yeah. it. But when it comes to people, it just just don't, <laughs> please. Maybe it's also a combination of that and the fact that as humans, we we really pick out uh, imperfections in humans' faces because we have you know evolved in whatever way to like recognize humans in such a clear and defined way compared to objects you know i don't know i don't know you're getting you're getting you're getting very sciencey right now i don't know (laughs) (laughs) know. i'm a creator i don't know i'm not a scientist but yeah could be Um, who knows i'm so what what are your specs on your computer what's you know like what's uh all the you know of my macbook yeah I have so I have the M1 Max with the 64 gigabytes of unified RAM and two terabytes of storage. There you go. Yeah. So is that the the top end Max or the the like? There's two levels of Max. There's you know like that I didn't the first even one know. And the second level. <laughs> this this is going to sound very um, spoiled, but I actually saved up for an entire year. But I didn't awesome. even know that there were two. That there were. I just went for the most expensive one. I was just like, yeah. this is the one. Okay, because... so we have the same computer except mine's silver, <laughs> and inferior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't even compare yours with mine. Okay, <laughs> yours is silver. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, so I, the thing was, I was watching the Apple event and I got so nervous because they said pre-orders start right now or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. So I already talked to some of the uh, Apple tech reviewers and I was like, how does this work? How does the pre-order work? Do I, do I go on their website? Do I go on the Apple store app? What do I do? So they told me to go on the Apple store app. So um, I yeah. went on the app, the app crashed. I was like, okay, on my iPad, tried it on my iPad, the app crashed. I was like, oh no. I was like, shit. Oh, sorry. I was like, it's okay. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need, I need this MacBook. So then I finally, after like 10 minutes, I finally was able to order it. Like I didn't even look, I knew that I needed to get the best one. And with Apple, that's always the most expensive uh, one. And the reason, like, it's a lot of money that I spend on it, but the way that I'm looking at it is that I'm not going to upgrade next year. This is a MacBook that needs to work for me for like five years. And I think that yeah. right now it is definitely, um, how do you say that? It's definitely more than I need. But if I'm going to upgrade to the to the Sony uh, A7S III, for example, or another camera or whatever, you know, I want to make sure that this MacBook can keep up for the next few years. That's a good point. I, Like I was saying earlier, because I didn't pay for it and my cousin's have a lot of money <laughs> i was like <laughs> i was like just just max it out like just click it all the way up all the way down and even with the storage i i personally probably would have done two terabytes just like you did but he was like oh it's only twelve hundred dollars more for four terabytes i'm like okay only yeah. <laughs> okay he, he must be so he must like, have a lot of money <laughs> he's like you'll use this right i'm like oh yeah of, co of course i'll yeah. use it but like if it were me i wouldn't do that you know just to save the money but um so uh that being said like i i don't know i'll probably keep it but again it's silver i don't want a silver laptop for four years i know uh, I know no, that's, that's but why why the silver? What was the decision? Why did he not just go well, for the you went to their you went to their website, right? Amyandjordan.com. Yes. I, yeah, so you, but, can you see can you understand how like bright and airy and like yes, but your, pretty everything your, is? Your gear doesn't well, need to be bright and pretty. It needs to be pretty, I know, but pretty. The, it's <laughs> their pretty. It's, it's it's their business computer and the okay. way they were looking yeah. at it was um eventually she would get this computer if I were to change or, you know, mm -hmm. get my own computer in the future or whatever. So they were buying it with the idea that, like, at some point, Amy's going to use it. And she preferred a silver one because... That makes sense. Um, she's always had silver and it looks better on with their branding. And now so. here we are. <laughs> Dave here with we the are. silver MacBook. I'm buying MacBook. it with a silver MacBook. <laughs> yeah. I no, should but... change my... You're you're Leela from YouTube. I'm Dave with the silver MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so great. Yeah, no, so. but uh, I got so I got the two terabytes because for, first of all, twelve hundred dollars is a big upgrade in my opinion, and also this is. is like a, a MacBook that I'm planning to use on trips or like I said, I'm using it all the time now, but whenever I'm done, so I edit everything locally. And then when I'm done, I just, I just, um, move all the files and the projects to it. an external Excuse hard drive. <laughs> no, I yeah. cannot delete it. Oh, do you delete your raw files when it comes to so, making videos? Obviously for client work, anything that I'm being hired to do as a freelance person, wh whether it's a promo a wedding or whatever, obviously that, I never delete that. You have to back it up. Like I, I back all that stuff up. I've always done that. Archive it, you know, whatever. Um, when I became a YouTuber, because I was making 
uh, with Kino Tika at the height of that, like we were doing two videos a week, um, shooting 4K 10 bit and all that. I was literally just like one after another after another. And those videos were very disposable, honestly. It was like talking about news or rumors or stuff like that. And I was like, I don't need to keep this. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna access this. So I ended up just deleting the raw files after I uploaded it. And I would just keep the export um, and the thumbnail. So like I would save like the PSD of the thumbnail and then the exported video. And I found even if I was referencing um, an older video, even though I had those export files, I would still just rip it from YouTube on Chrome and because it was like faster than me like looking for my hard drive yeah. so um i just and anytime i would reference other videos and like pull b-roll from other videos i would literally just use it at from the export so i yeah. never saw it as a need to save that stuff i know a lot of other creators completely disagree with me and save everything but for me for me it just i don't think that i've ever use well sometimes like for editing tutorials i would go back in and just look for some b-roll that i shot a while ago but when it comes to like the talking head stuff i've never gone back and used the raw files however it gives me a lot of anxiety to not have that so i just have a lot of external hard drives that i never even look on just because i am a <laughs> hoarder i can i just i mean i wish i wish i could do what you do because i think it's way more cost effective as well you're never going to look yeah, at it well, again yeah, exactly but... especially when you're talking about shooting in 4k and like you know mm -hmm. i was doing prores for a while with the atomos and yeah. yeah it's just like you know hundreds and hundreds of gigs for like i would use up you know 150 200 gigs for a video and it just it starts to add up if you're doing two of those a week yeah so, but with my cousins now we buy like a 14 terabyte we buy two 14 terabyte drives or whatever and i just mirror those and you know i keep everything archived on that mm -hmm. and then i'm i'm using my laptop as a as a project drive i used to always keep a uh like a little ssd like a one terabyte or something as my like working drive but now um because i've got the four terabyte and in your case you got the two which is plenty as well like i think it's a great idea on these newer machines to spend a little extra get a little bit more storage because um it's just so much more convenient to use your actual internal hard drive as your like working drive not only because you don't have to plug anything into it and you could i love the idea of just like taking my laptop with nothing and just sitting on the couch and like editing with no hard drives plugged in it's great <laughs> yeah exactly um, and yeah. then the but the obviously the drives are just so freaking fast now like you can't buy a a, a drive that's that fast for an affordable price so it's worth oh my it god i i so i did a thing the video that you mentioned about um is the m1 max macbook pro 16 inch is it too too big for traveling i said something in that video yeah. which i after realized was a mistake i didn't know that i thought that i bought an ssd lacy drive and i was like oh it takes me one hour to to um transfer 500 gigabytes and i was so proud of it because on my pc <laughs> it would take longer and then all the comments started getting in and they were coming in and they were all like an hour that's that's not um it's it's a little bit at the end of it but like i i was like or everyone said to me that an hour was actually way too long it should be transferred in minutes and i was like oh sh 
Okay. Well. <laughs> oh, for the oh, you you mean you're using the the yeah, SSD? Yeah. No, I thought so. USB? I thought I bought an SSD, but apparently I bought just an external hard drive, which I didn't know. I thought I bought oh, like gotcha. the good C drive, the SSD, but I didn't. So. I don't know. I said something really dumb in that video, but it is what it well, is. You took it on the you took it on the plane and yes. you know you used it. Yes. Yeah. Is it actually too big for travel? <laughs> Depends. It, in my opinion, I've, no. I've been using 15-inch laptops my whole career, so it it doesn't seem big. It this particular model seems bigger than ever because of the, you know, the giant like bezel-less display and it's kind of thicker than the older ones so it just it's heavier too which is yeah. all those are all good things like i don't i'm not complaining but yeah no the um, thing the, the thing is i don't think i don't think for me it's not too big because um at least i mean i understand if you have like a 10 or 12 hour flight like next time i come to la for example it might get it might be a little bit big especially when you fly economy because you have to sit a little bit like this because you don't want to bother yeah. the people next to you but overall like i'm using this everywhere everywhere like in offices or hotel rooms and i need all the real estate when it comes to making or screen yeah. estate like when i'm editing videos i need the biggest screen that i can get and for me it is not worth um downgrade or not it's not downgrading because the 14 inch is also really good but like um well the size, downgrading yeah, in size down downsizing down, downsizing <laughs> thank you so it's not it's not worth downsizing for me because yes the laptop is a little bit heavy but then when you put it in a bag you barely feel it you know it's not that mm -hmm. heavy so i definitely i don't think it's it's too big um, but it depends if you're a video editor. No, it's not too big. If you're not a video editor and you're just like more like a casual, um, I don't know, cor you have a well, casual corporate job and you fly a lot, then maybe the 14 inch is better. <laughs> if you have a casual, uh, corporate job and you're not doing video editing, you, you shouldn't be buying the, <laughs> true. these we versions. Honestly, <laughs> you should be buying the, like the air or something, but yeah, um, fair enough. Fair enough. But ironically, there are plenty of like wealthy business people who do buy these just because it's like i want the best yeah. dude i was so when i so when i ordered when i ordered my macbook and everything was crashing because so many people were ordering it i was like how are there so many people who are ordering this right now how is that yeah, even like possible a, like this this macbook is like top of the line i, I know, can like, guarantee that most of those people don't need it you know <laughs> well like you said though this particular computer has been like everybody's been waiting for this model the 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 actual pro laptops so you have a lot of professional people who have been saving their money like you did and just waiting for the moment and so when it was live it was like the floodgates were unleashed so yeah um so yeah i mean if you're listening to this and you're still using an intel based uh macbook pro and you're a macbook pro user um and you have the means to do this i would highly recommend uh, placing an order it's going to take a while to get it um as of right now um i don't because leela and i bought this like sight unseen like the day it came out and we didn't see the reviews i just went ahead and maxed it out and i'm not i think i'm going to just go ahead and keep it because it's going to last me several years but if i were to do it over again i honestly may not have even got the max i may have just got the baseline uh macbook pro 16 inch because i agree i like the the larger screen size 
Um, even though I've gone back and forth on, on Twitter, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should get the 14, but I now actually think I'm just going to go ahead and I like this bigger screen size. I would get the base model with like at least two terabytes of storage. Um, because the way that I use it with Final Cut and even with Premiere, I've heard too, like the baseline, um, MacBook Pro M1 Pro is still like kicking butt and um, it works really well with almost everything. The software is working great. It's still like twice as good as the M1 Max from last year and those are already great. So um, don't like get all wrapped up in the fact that you have to spend a ton of money and go to the M1 Max and like get all the RAM. I think that's the other thing too is like RAM does not matter as much as we thought either. Like based on the reviews that I've seen from uh, Max Yuryev, he has a Max Tech is his channel i think mm -hmm. yurev i don't know how to say his last name but um he's basically recommending the same thing like get the baseline ram you don't need to max out your ram just get 16 gigs of ram you can get the m1 pro and, and probably be fine if you want to go up to the m1 max don't go all the way up just get the first level um because you save like 200 bucks by not going all the way up and then same with the M1 Max, like you have to, you do jump to 32 gigs of RAM, but just stay there. Don't, don't upgrade it. So that's my recommendation is get a space gray computer. So you don't feel like a loser. Um, <laughs> get the 16 inch baseline. If you need a little bit more juice, go ahead and go to the max, but keep it all baseline. 32 gigs of RAM with the like first tier M1 Max. You, you know what's so, interesting? Um, you said that there are two M1 Max MacBooks, right? Uh huh. And I and I and I said that um, that I didn't even look. I just ordered the most expensive one. But I'm looking on the Apple website now, the Dutch Apple website, and we only have one M1 Max. We don't. Oh, really? We have two M1 Pros and one M1 Max. Oh no! Hit select, and then once you start configuring it, you have. Let's see. Or go to so the the no M1 I can Max only choose the uh, I can only choose the RAM and the storage. So go back, go okay. to like go back to that page with the three. Here yeah. I can I don't know why I'm doing this and not sharing it. <laughs> if you're watching the video, you can see it. Um, this is so yeah. not interesting to anyone who's listening. I'm sorry. So no, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, the like if you go to this one, the the yeah. M1 Pro, and you select that one, and then you're given the option. You, there's these two options but, here but why would you why would you that doesn't make any sense why would you click on the pro to then choose the max to get this cheaper max here and then you don't that is such I a life hack i had no idea i think i think this top end one the 3500 dollars one is already the top end max so uh, you select yeah. you select the middle option you go up to the m1 max the difference is you're getting 24 core GPU rather than 32 core. Mm. You save $200. Yeah. And then you stay you stay with the 32 gigs of RAM. You don't need more. Uh, based on the reviews, there's so much SSD swapping going on and the apps are so optimized, you don't need as much. So that saves you $400. So you're, you're already saving 600 by not going all the way up. And then go to two terabytes if you, if you really want to. So that's 36. Rather yeah, than and then, what I spent, which was uh, forty-eight, you know. So. Uh, well, I I think I spent I spent that much in euros, which is way more expensive. Let's see, I spend. Sure. Yeah, so I spend four thousand seven hundred and sixty-nine euros, which is 
Euro two dollars. Which is five thousand three hundred and ninety nine. So that's, that's like a ton of money. Did you four hundred dollars the, more? So you were responsible and you saved up your money, you didn't like go into debt with this no 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 no. i never go into debt with anything like right now i'm still i mean it helps that the uh that the sony a7s3 isn't in stock anywhere in the netherlands but it's not uh, in stock anywhere here either. oh really it's so it's just not yeah. in stock well i mean that helps <laughs> but even if it was in stock i wouldn't buy it right now because i need i need to spend some money on other things first but yeah no it's um at least I feel a little bit less stupid because there's only one M1 Max on the page. I thought there were two and I just went for the most expensive one, but no, I did. you're not. That's such a, that, that is such a life hack. I didn't know that, that you could get the, you could get an M1 chip that's cheap. Ooh, nice. Well, cool. again, I, I would, I would rest easy because you did spend more money, but you saved up your money. You were responsible and it will last you. Like, yes. that, it's not think... like those extra cores aren't being used necessarily. Like it's good to have it so yeah, like, it'll exactly. last you four or five years hopefully yeah or and more, i think that, that is yeah i think that 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 is something that's important to you know talk about as well because there's a lot of people who complain that these macbooks they were specked out and they're way overkill and all that but like we said earlier this is going to last us for a few years so it's a good investment in my opinion especially if you start changing up gear you're upgrading gear you know you you mm -hmm. don't want to spend three thousand dollars on a macbook that is less expensive to then have to upgrade to a more expensive macbook because it cannot really handle everything that you want to do with it you know exactly and i think if you're going to spend money on anything as a video professional and if obviously if you are an editor there are people who do make a living only shooting which i'm kind of jealous of um, because i don't necessarily love editing personally it's kind of a oh, means to tell me end. tell tell me about it i just uh i'm I just enjoy people. I love being out. I like moving around. I, you know, when I was a YouTuber, I tried my best to get out of the studio as much as possible. So mm -hmm. we would shoot on location. We'd go to the beach. I went to the beach like every week when I was doing, when I lived in LA, which was awesome. And the mountains and like the city, like I love just being out and just like breathing fresh air, going out, changing up my scenery. Um, I hate sitting at a desk and just like editing. It's like really hard for me. And I have a hard time focusing too. Like I really struggle with like ADHD and the fact that the internet is attached to the machine that I use for work is really hard because like I'll just get sucked into a YouTube video. And I'm like, oh, this uh, this like Nintendo Switch review is only 38 minutes. I can I can watch <laughs> only this. Only 38. <laughs> I would never <laughs> click on a video that's more than like 12 minutes. <laughs> you have, you have it's too better, long. Uh, well, that's how bad it's gotten, right? It's like, at yes. first it was like, oh, yeah, I only have five minutes. Oh, well, it's only 10 minutes. Oh, it's only 20 minutes. Oh, it's only 38 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. No, I think no, that no. When, it, when it comes to editing, I the reason why I love editing so much is because I believe that that is where the story really comes alive. Like, of course, you can do storyboarding and scripting and, you know, there will be a story. But yeah. For me, when it comes to editing, that is where everything comes together. It comes alive and it's just so much fun to 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 yeah to really see whatever you filmed whether it's a trip or 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 a video to see that come together and to tell to tell that story that's really i don't know that's why i love editing so much but i think that with youtube like we were talking about 38 minute videos the whole way that 
um, that YouTube, how YouTube works right now, where you need to grab their attention and you need to make sure that you keep their attention every eight to 10 seconds and you need to be very strategic. I feel like that comes with a lot of challenges and it kind of takes away from the art of editing because you're very, you have to be very strategic about it. Like Mr. Beast, for example, what do you think about that? <laughs> the way that we have to edit videos now sort of have to, I love, I love it. Um, I am excited oh, no to audio. begin. I think you're still muted. You're right. I muted it and then I <laughs> forgot. Sorry. I'm such a loser. You can tell I've been doing podcasts for three years. <laughs> um, no, I I actually love it. Uh, and that's why I'm getting out of the gear niche, uh, at least temporarily, because um, I want to exercise those things uh, in terms of like, making it as entertaining as possible, cutting out all the fluff, getting straight to the point, focusing yeah. on my thumbnails and titles. And like, I love the whole game to me. I find okay. that whole thing a game. So like, yeah. I want to play the YouTube game. And when I was doing gear reviews, I felt like I am playing the YouTube game in the gear review space, but it wasn't interesting enough to me because it was more about the, um, the product. And if I get early enough access to talk about this product, then that helps with the viewership because it's like, oh, I'm one of 10 other creators that have it. And then I'm competing with all the other guys and girls. Let's be honest, mostly guys. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, um, and it's like, I just didn't want to be a part of that rat race. And I almost, I didn't like the fact that I was sort of like competing with other people too. Like, it's weird. It's like, I'm stealing away views from maybe someone else who I love. Like, I, you know, I love this other creator or whatever and obviously everybody has their own voice and everybody has their own style but it seems like the companies now send so many products out that like there used to only maybe be four videos that come out when when a product's out but now it's like especially with sony like if a new <laughs> sony camera comes out it's like 30 40 creators all on the same day posting it yeah um, those I think embargoes something needs to, i feel like something needs to kind of change in the industry uh, a little bit because it's just so it's so much. Um, yeah, it's funny because embargoes, me as a viewer, it doesn't work for me. When I say that like 20, 20 people that I'm subscribed to have uploaded a new video about this new thing that came out all at the same time, I don't, I don't watch it. Just, it's not that I'm against it. It's just that if at that point I'm not interested in it, I'm not going to yeah. watch it. So it doesn't matter if there's like 20 people or just one. Like, I don't know. I wonder if embargoes still work because I, I i see that with a lot of viewers that they don't really care that much about embargoes anymore you know of course on the high end of things like if there's a new phone that came out and uh mkbhd got it and like i'm gonna watch his video yeah right? yeah but that's um, that's him you know exactly but there you know there's there's still room for other people to be creative too like we're looking at it as as it is like i think there's still room for other people to come up with cool ideas that are different and have never been done before. And I think that's the beautiful thing about YouTube is that there's so much variety and there's plenty of room for growth. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with uh, my friend, Jevin Dovey, who's a, a, a creator on YouTube. And he um, was talking about how he was talking to a company that does embargoes. I won't say what company it is, but it's a company that sends out products uh, to review. And the like the PR guy that he was talking to said, yeah, I, I want to work with you, Jevin, because you actually go out in the mountain. Like he, his whole thing is he travels and he'll like climb a mountain or whatever and like do a review 
while he's doing a hike or whatever. And so he basically said like, we love working with you because you're actually doing something other than sitting behind a desk. Like we're tired of everybody just sitting in their studio. Gerald Undone has made a career out of it and has almost branded his own purple studio as like his thing, which is great. But um, I think people are getting kind of tired of like just a person behind a desk talking about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm myself. I am um, experimenting a lot with also finding something that is um, what we talked about, like way in the beginning about creating content um, that you're passionate about and what works. And I'm trying to find like I'm experimenting with different formats now, and I really enjoy taking it a step further. So I try to not do the whole desk thing. I try yeah. to have like little acting bits in it. I'm a terrible actor, but <laughs> it's that. funny. So I just try to do a lot of different things now, which I think um, complements what you were saying about, you know, cutting out the fluff, making it entertaining. I think that is fun. It's just that what I was talking about, what I was trying to get at is that I think that having to edit a certain way and having to edit strategically doesn't necessarily in a way it's creative but in another way it's not like if you have to follow a specific format or else you don't capture their attention so they all just leave and when they leave the retention is bad and when the retention is bad your video doesn't get pushed out you know yeah i think that's where um well yeah i mean it's just it is what it is with youtube it's like its own genre so if you were editing a movie that was a a comedy movie you're going to edit it different than a drama so almost think of True. YouTube as its own genre in of itself. So it's I like, like this is a YouTube, this is a YouTube video, not just a film that's being hosted on YouTube. You can make a film, upload it to YouTube and YouTube's just a website hosting that film. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like YouTube is a social media app. It's not necessarily like Netflix, um, even though it's, you know, it's similar. The fact that there's, you are the creator I subscribe to Leela. You're posting the video. I comment. You see the comments. You respond to the comments. It's a social media. Yeah. So, the yeah, it's just become the genre, and it's changed over the years. Like as people change and as the platform changes, the way that you edit changes. And I think right now we're we're in the Mr. Beast era. He's crushing yes. it, and he's his format is exactly what is working. So everybody's doing that, and. Um, yeah i think it'll mature that's what um you were just talking about hayden like he had a great video about this about how youtubers need to start focusing on story and thinking about the traditional rules of filmmaking and applying that to to youtube within the genre of youtube Mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna see that uh happen more and more um but i mean i i was thinking about the same thing about how like what is it about mr beast that like makes people watch to the end and it's it's simple it's been done with television for decades which is like the game show model works really well there's been game shows for like 60 years now on tv where you have contestants there's a winner and a loser and they they basically fight to the end to win money or a prize or something you know the price is right is like one of the most the oldest shows in you know the wheel of fortune these are all like really old shows that are still on TV to this day. Jeopardy, you know, those types of things have existed for years and years and years. And it's because it's a simple model that as humans, when you watch it, 
if you get hooked into it, you're like, oh, is he gonna? Is that person gonna win? Are they gonna win the money? Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, so true. That when will it, never change. That that's people true. are always gonna be interested in that. That's true. But when it comes to the editing style, I am I am curious about. Um, you know, because Mr. Beast's editing style seems to kind of be the way to go on YouTube right now. But then I also think if we look at his audience, and I might be completely wrong, but if we look at his audience, it's way younger than people that would look at a gear review, yeah. for example, because they have they probably have full-time jobs because they have the budget to spend like $3,000 <laughs> on a new camera, yeah. right? So they 100%. might actually not be that interested in the super hyperactive whatever you want to call it editing style so i'm very interested to yes. see that and also for example emma chamberlain i've been watching her vlogs for a while and she completely yeah. changed her editing and it's still captivating it's still interesting you know mm -hmm. so I'm just and i think it was a little <laughs> jarring for people at first i don't know if her views were going down or not i know i've i haven't really followed her but i heard colin and samir talk about it and I think she's big enough that it doesn't matter. And she also probably didn't care. She was just sick of doing it the way she was doing it. And yeah. she's changed it up. For sure. And I think I think that is something that a lot of people um, mistake is that when they look at her and they're like, oh, but she can call, look, she can, she can call a, a vlog bad and she gets 4 million views. So I can do that. I'm like, no, it's Emma. <laughs> she's built this for years. She's like a unicorn. She's at the top with Casey Neistat and all of those people, like David Dobrik. Sure. They can they they can do these things. Now, of course, it doesn't mean like you cannot do it, but don't expect almost four million views on a vlog called Bed when you're sitting in bed. You know, exactly. it, it probably won't work <clears throat> that way. She did it very well though, but she has this thing about her that just works so well, and she's very creative. Totally. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can. Ha if you have all those things that she has, which is charisma and, and experience, then maybe you could make it work over time. But um, probably not because she yeah. has the audience. You have to f find ways to get discovered. And that's the beautiful thing about the niche that we're in was like you do get natural discovery because people are searching for premiere tutorials or M1 Max reviews and things like that. So people are just kind of discovering your content automatically yeah. without you having to do anything yeah but what's um, in, what's interesting about that is that you know for, when i started my channel i was very focused on seo and you know making my title as unsexy as possible because i needed the target words to be in there so that people could find my videos but yeah you you're actually that way you're actually targeting a very small group of people because i think that only correct me if I'm wrong, like 20 to 30% of total traffic on YouTube is surge. So when mm. you target the other 70%, which is where Emma Chamberlain is at, you know, like she gets a lot of views probably from browse or suggested, um, that is actually where the views are. So with us, you naturally get some views because you're being discovered when someone looks, looks for you, but you can get so many more views when you are being suggested or recommended by YouTube. So one of the, I, I go to your channel, I change it to sort by most popular and all of your big videos are premiere based. Yes. Um, get the cinematic film look in three steps. That's your biggest video, 603,000 yes. views. That's awesome. Number two is learn Premiere Pro in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, that has almost 500,000. Yeah. <clears throat> what have you found with your audience and with what you've been creating that works best for, for your channel? That's a really good question. I think that when you 
sort on the most popular a lot of those videos are a year old or two years old um, mm-hmm. so it's mostly uh accumulative views if that's sure how you pronounce and, it but and the those one... videos are great because they are sort of evergreen videos yes like, yes um... i think that's so important especially with youtube like you need to be able to take breaks as well and if you only do um for example if you only review the newest gear then taking a month off isn't necessarily i mean it's possible of course it's possible but it might give you some anxiety because you're missing out on all of these updates or trends you're not riding the trend anymore and when you have evergreen videos like i do i could take a month off which wouldn't be great but i could take a month off and i would still consistently get views because a lot of my videos are evergreen but Mm -hmm. it's interesting because not all of these videos even though they are tutorials not all of them are uh, heavily uh, search traffic. There are a few videos in here that actually get a lot of traffic from being suggested by YouTube. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, uh, what was your question what about again? Thumbna- yeah. Just like what works for you and have you experimented with different thumbnail strategies and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that when it comes to YouTube, it's ever evolving and you're always experimenting. I think that if you're not experimenting anymore, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, But I think that when it comes to YouTube, so I was very, this is funny because I was very uh, against making my thumbnails uh, look YouTube-y because, you know, with a YouTube-y thing, you have an arrow (laughs) and you have text and you have like, I don't know, those like outlines around people or whatever, like very YouTube-y, not very (laughs) aesthetic because, you know, in our niche, everything needs to look aesthetically pleasing, right? You know, sure. you don't, you just want great photographs and you don't want anything else in it. So it was very, I was very against it, but I started using it and I'm actually having fun with it now because I can have fun with it in, uh, yeah. in Photoshop a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Honestly, when it comes to, to answer your question, I am just, I'm, I'm just trying things out and, um, <clears throat> let me see. And what's your, what's your demographic male to female ratio? I'm curious. Mm, not enough female. It's, I think, I actually looked today. I think well, it's, it's mostly, yeah, what's your male ratio? What's the percentage? I think, uh, if I remember it correctly this morning, in the last quarter, so from October till now, it's 90% male and 10% okay. female. Wow. Yeah, that's like what mine, that's what Indie Mogul was in Kinetika. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that because that's proving the fact that. It just so happens that 90% of people that are in the video industry are probably male. Like, I don't think it's yeah. a sexist situation because... Oh, no. In this in this example, you are a female. Mm-hmm. So you're going to speak to females. So in theory, you should have more females watching than me. Yeah, I just average. need to be discovered by the, by the women. <laughs> they need yeah, to find my channel. Exactly. <laughs> No, but I don't think, I don't think, I think that it's just a fact well, just like a, of life. Just like a makeup, like a makeup channel. That's going to be the exact same ratio that somebody doing a makeup channel is going to have female to male, 90% yeah. female, 10% male. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's important to, um, for you to get an equal opportunity. And I hope you feel for that sure. way. And I hope yes. nothing has, has happened that causes that. Cause I don't, like obviously you're talking about all the same things you're crushing it as a creator you're growing like you know that's kind of the beautiful thing about youtube is that you can live in another country you don't have to live in america yeah and it doesn't necessarily matter what gender you are it like as long as you just put in the work 
yeah. and you you work hard like you can succeed so yeah for sure there are like i have had instances where men don't want to listen to a woman and they rather listen to a man giving them advice or whatever but i just Less brush stupid. that up yeah those people are just stupid they're not worth the energy there are so many people who do benefit from whatever you're sharing so i try to focus on those people and not the few people who or the few men who think that they can just say something about my looks or, you know, I'm just like, I am, I'm, I'm giving yeah. you all this information for free. And all you care about <laughs> is that my forehead looks too big or my teeth look too yellow, or I, I am, I'm not, I'm not dressed up as a, or I'm not like ladylike enough, or I am too revealing, you know, but it's just it's ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous, but I, I don't, I honestly, I do not let that discourage me. And I really hope that if there is any women listening who are thinking about it, but who are worried about these kind of comments, don't just, it's, it's not even worth it. It's not, it's not worth not pursuing what you want to do just because there are some stupid people who are telling you stupid <laughs> things because they're all, they're, there will always be stupid well, people. You as know? a male, I got, yeah, as a male, I got all sorts of stupid hateful comments as well so it's it doesn't yeah. necessarily but i would imagine that the comments you get as a female in a majority male demographic is going to be um disgusting i would imagine in some senses <laughs> sometimes and then yes. also repulsing and then also rude and just awful but that's yeah, the beauty but- of the block button Yes. Oh, you know, oh my God. I love the hide user option because they literally will scream into a void and you will not Uh see it. No one will see it, but they still think that they're commenting. It's the best thing ever. It's better than blocking. I love it. It's so good. Every time that I do it, it's just... What's the difference? What's it called? So you go to... What do you mean? It's not block. Yeah. No. So it's hide user. So you can hide a user. user. And okay. that way they can still watch your videos. They can still comment, but no one will see it. Yourself included, which is uh, just great. Okay. So yeah, you go to the YouTube studio, uh, you go to the comment section, you go to the little dot, dot, dot action menu instead yes. of, instead of report or remove, you go to hide user from channel. Yes. Yes. Because when you remove it, you just remove the comment. You don't remove the person. Oh, but I always you- thought. I always thought that that meant that they're not allowed to see any more of my videos ever. Like they can still watch the video. They just can't, they're hidden from the channel in their comments. They are, but they can still comment, but no one will see them. It's just literally like a black void that they're just screaming in. And no, (laughs) it's, it's the most entertaining idea. I think like when I think about it, it just makes, it just makes me not, not laugh, but it amuses me. (laughs) Just go ahead, have fun. You know? Have you um, have you met Sarah Dici or Justine or any of the female creators in our niche or uh, Kitty Atola Visuals? Um, I met Kitty in LA. Uh, I saw Sarah in LA. We haven't met. We have DM'd a little bit, uh, but further than that, no. But I have met um, Lizzie, and I'm friends mm-hmm. with Becky from Becky and Chris. So you oh, know, I have yeah, a Becky's few. Becky's awesome. Yeah, she's oh she's amazing. Um. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, yeah, I, I would assume, like, you know, if, if anybody who's listening, um, who's a female, just, like, wants to connect with Leela, you know, reach out. And I think it's important to have that community. For sure. Other, Please other feel people. free to DM me on Instagram or whatever. I try to reply to most of the DMs. So, yeah, feel free. I would love it. Awesome. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's fun. I think it's a very interesting discussion. You know, do we need more women on YouTube? And my argument always is only if there are women who want to be on YouTube and aren't there. Like, I don't necessarily need a 50-50 split, 
you know i just want mm. the women who want to be on youtube but feel like they cannot be or they are afraid to be or whatever reason there is i want them to be here you know of course yeah yeah absolutely but and if the split nobody's... is going to if the split is going to be 10 90 so be it you know i i i, <laughs> I love it i enjoy it yeah and um Anyways, yeah, I think that's a, a good way to end that topic. I don't want to go into the weeds <laughs> of it, but but yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, let's see, what else oh, can we Kelsey talk about? Oh, Kelsey is great too, by the way. Premier Gal. Do you oh, know yes. her? Yeah, I know she's her. Great yeah, I know her. Yeah, she's great too. Yeah, she's great. Totally. Um, Premier Gal. Yes. I, I don't watch those videos because I don't use Premiere, but. Um. <laughs> what are you switching? Come on. What are you switching? Oh, never. Oh my gosh. What? I started on. I started on Premiere uh, with a PC and uh, on CS3. That's how old I am. But um, yeah, so I was using Adobe Photoshop and Premiere CS3 when I started when I was, I think I was 13 years old when I started. <laughs> so do the math, figure out how old he is. <laughs> 31. Yeah, yeah. So um, and then when I bought a Mac, I switched to Final Cut Pro 7 before X even existed. And at the time, I feel like seven was kind of the industry standard for the most part. Um, Avid was like the main program in Hollywood. And then Final Cut uh, came out and it was like revolutionary because it was more consumer focused. And then Premiere obviously as well around that same time. But because Apple owned the market in terms of pros using Macintosh computers, Final Cut was huge. And then everybody was so stoked about Final Cut Pro X to come out. It came out and it was so radically different that everybody freaked out. And there was a lot of features that were removed that are now completely back and, and totally, you know, to say that Final Cut Pro 10 or Pro, I think they dropped the X recently, but to say that Final Cut Pro is not a pro video app now is like stupid. Like that's not true anymore. Oh yeah, no, a it lot definitely is. Like 11 years ago when it came out, there were definitely a lot of features that were missing and you can make the argument that it wasn't pro enough back then. Um, but I was young at the time. I think I was only like 18 when it came out or whatever. Well, 11 years ago, I'm 31. So now I was 20. Uh, I was 20. You're not that young. You weren't that young. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Um, but anyways, I switched. All my friends that I was working with at the time switched. So we all were using it and learning it together. And I fell oh, in love cool. with the, ma the magnetic timeline. Um, the fact it. that it was, I cannot... well, once you learned to, once you learn to optimize it, it speeds up your workflow. So crazy. So imagine like, I don't know how you edit your like a roll of like mm -hmm. you talking, but I know for me, um, especially when I was on a teleprompter, do you use a teleprompter by the way? No, I don't. Okay. Sometimes I would use it, sometimes I wouldn't. But <clears throat> when I was at Indie Mogul, I would use it because it was really efficient to spend like a day writing the script and then then the shoot is only like an hour or whatever max. Yeah. So I just sit down and read the prompter and then I'm done. But, you know, it's like I read like a block of a paragraph, pause, maybe I made a mistake, so I go back and fix it. So anyways, you have like this one long clip on your timeline in Final Cut, you can just look at the waveform, cut out the gaps, delete. It just like, it just moves as you delete it. Yeah. And then you hit play and it's like, oh, I kind of messed that up. I'll just slip it over a little bit. Everything moves with it. Obviously you can ripple delete in Premiere. 
you can do little things like that but it's just more steps that because I love that magnetic timeline, it actually speeds up my workflow in that, that way. That makes but. sense. So you never had a you never had a Sony Vegas period or phase. <laughs> uh, my dad, uh, my dad's actually a filmmaker as well, and he's a documentary filmmaker. He had a film in theaters last year, which was like a huge achievement. He's had three, he's had four in theaters, but wow. this one was like a proper um, theatrical release that Sony Pictures put out. But it's a documentary. But anyways, he was all Vegas. Uh, and so he told me like, you got to get on Vegas. Vegas <laughs> is great. And I'm like, no, dad, that's not, that's like an amateur app. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but it wasn't, it was great. Like I think Final Cut 10 took a lot of the things that were in Vegas. Um, some of those features uh, are in there. It's a lot easier to use, I hear. And it runs really well. Um, I, I don't know if it's still remember. actively in development. But did you no use idea. it on the PC? Yeah. Yeah, I used it like, I don't know, when I first, so when I first got interested in editing, um, which was when I was like, I don't know, like 14 or something, I uh -huh. used a cracked version, of course, of Sony nice. Vegas. And I, I remember that it was very basic, but that was all that I needed. And I think that's so important, you know, like we're talking about these fancy editing programs like Premiere Pro, Final Cut Pro, but you can, you can use windows movie make i don't know if that's still a thing or iMovie or whatever whatever works for you but yeah i i use yeah. sony vegas just for like a little bit when i was like 14 15 and then after that i don't it's funny because i don't even know when i started editing like three four years ago why i chose premiere it was just a thing that i like i used photoshop so i just started using premiere loved premiere and for me the beckonatic timeline i get what you were saying but I am so used to grouping my things together when I'm editing a video, you know, and I need, I mm -hmm. need gaps. I need to have gaps. I, apparently you can turn that off in Final Cut. I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah you can me, turn it off and you can add gaps. But yeah. I, I have a hotkey. The letter G is a gap. So it like ah. adds like a one second block of nothing. Ah. So like, as I'm editing, if I want to just scoot it over, I'll just just drop that in yeah. and I can scoot it around. Cool. But cool. I didn't know. I think the, the thing that a lot of people underestimate is the fact that Apple was kind of banking on the fact that over generations, like there are going to be people who have no preconceived notions of how to edit. And if you learn how to edit on Final Cut and you've never even touched anything else and that's how you learn, it's actually easier because telling people to rethink and relearn how to edit yeah. is really hard to do. And that's why everybody like jump ship and went over to premiere when final cut x came out yeah i mean that is that is what i experienced when i i, I installed davinci resolve like a long time ago because of the color grading thing i wanted to try it it's great. but i looked at it and i was just i was just yelling at my computer i was like why is nothing working i don't get it because <laughs> i'm so used to premiere pro that it's completely relearning a new program and i cannot or uh, for example i got when i got this macbook i installed the uh the trial version of final cut because i just wanted to see what it was like but then i couldn't cut a clip the way that i usually cut a clip and everything took so sure. much time that i i actually i it opened it, it i opened it for 30 minutes and it's like a 90-day trial and i've not used it in the 90 days whatsoever so <laughs> shame on you should me make a video. But... you could make a video but yeah, it's, it's hard for, it's very hard to relearn things. It takes yeah. a lot of effort. I know for me, um, when I went from, even from Final Cut 7 to X, like it, even ironically from the same program, just an update, it was so radically different. 
it took me and the guys I was working with about three to four months of daily use to get comfortable with it. But once we like spent the time and really optimized it, like I've been benefiting from that for 11 years of not having to worry about um, buying the most expensive computer because it's so optimized that I was on like a MacBook Air for like two years as my primary machine yeah. doing full-time video work because Final Cut is so uh, optimized, especially in the timeline. Obviously, where you see it really slow down is when you have a really low spec machine. Um, if you export it, it's going to take a long time if there's like really bad GPUs in it. But um, in terms of editing on the timeline, it like cut through things like butter. So. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that is what I would expect when it's made by Apple for Apple. Like, if it if, if Premiere yeah. or DaVinci was better than Final Cut, then I would be like, Apple, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> Davin well, at the moment, right now, as we speak, I believe Resolve, DaVinci Resolve is performing better than Final no Cut way. in terms of optimization and wow. export time. Nice. Yeah. That's but cool. But now, now I'm the old person saying, ah, well, I know, I, I like... <laughs> How Final Cut works, I can't relearn it. You know? Yeah, but that's that's literally me every time someone asks me, so when are you going to start doing a, a, um, Final Cut Pro tutorials or DaVinci or whatever? I'm like, no, I know I know Premiere. I love Premiere. I love the the ecosystem of Adobe, you know, being able to use all of these apps yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, together. I it's can... basically like the Apple ecosystem, you know? It's, it's really nice. My only rebuttal to that, everybody always says that. Like, I'm a part of the Adobe ecosystem too. I use Photoshop, I use After Effects, I use Illustrator occasionally, and they all work in Final Cut too. Like, I can mm -hmm. pull in PSD files, I can adjust and edit the PSD files in Final Cut. Um, obviously, you don't get the dynamic linking but um, to After Effects, but you know, I can just export a ProRes file and bring it in or whatever. But. Yeah, but I think a lot of people who are who use Final Cut are maybe not part of the Adobe ecosystem. Like they may use Audacity sure. or, you know, all of these other, I don't even know what the equivalent of Photoshop is, but if you use all of those separate apps, it might not Affinity. be as easy. I don't know. Affinity Photo or Pixelmator Pro, I have that and use that occasionally. There's no alternative to Lightroom. Like I know a lot of people... Um, talk about capture one but it's not the same and um it's strange that nobody has really made a proper like lightroom alternative hmm. um so that's one of the main things that i have to have is lightroom because if i'm working with you know 300 pictures for something and i just want to go through them and edit them quickly like that is yeah. still the best solution so oh that's interesting um, i didn't know that i do have one more the... question for you by the way which is related to yeah. video editing are you an are you an intuitive editor or do you follow like video editing rules or like film theory? What is that? What do you mean? <laughs> Good question. So I personally, I I learned, I just learned editing. I never even read about film theory or whatever. Basically, what Hayden always talks about, like he really knows the rules. I don't know any of the rules. I just edit <laughs> based on my intuition, what I think yeah. is good and what feels good. And I'm just wondering how you edit your videos or freelance work. Do you follow any of the uh, rules or do you just do what feels good? Do you mean the rules in that, like the, the act one, like act the, two, act yeah, three Yeah, like story the story structure? arc and, you know, any of, like, again, I don't, need, I don't know any of them. So I can't really give you any examples <laughs> except for the story arc with act one, act two, act three. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, all of that would be in pre-production so therefore it would come into the edit. So mm -hmm. if I were 
like um in the past when i used to shoot weddings i would sometimes i would shoot the wedding or even before i would shoot the wedding i would write out like on a piece of paper like okay i'm gonna start out with the um i now pronounce so and so and then cut to a sequence of them getting ready and then i'll maybe ask the bride a question about something and so the, i'll feed her a line and then she'll give me a response that would help tie in the story and then we cut to the reception and whatever so i have like a template yeah basically on paper of what the edit's going to look like mm-hmm. go shoot it knowing what i need to get yeah and then once i'm editing i literally just plug it in where it needs to go but then sometimes changing things based off of intuition so i don't know it's i don't i don't actively think about um the rules as i'm doing it but mm-hmm. i guess it's intuitive at this point because i've been doing it for so long and yeah um a lot of times i if it's a project that i made from the beginning then i'm gonna have i will have already thought all this out before i even start the edit yeah that makes sense i mean i am very like as a youtuber the pre-production is basically just planning out your video it's not as extensive as like yeah really big projects with different scenes or whatever so i so i get what you're saying so let me ask you this then did you learn editing in school or like were you taught editing or did you are you self-taught 100 percent self-taught cool um i definitely i dropped out of college or university as you may say out there i don't know what do you what do you call college like after high school so we have we have we have different levels here so we have university which is the highest level and then we have university of applied sciences which is i think college and then you have i don't even know what it's called in english but i think it's the uh, what is it called a G- ged what what is it oh yeah there is a like a community well, college is, uh... thing Oh, community college? Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, GED is not... GED is basically like you didn't graduate high school, so as an adult, you go get a GED, oh, which yeah. no, is the we... equivalent of a high school diploma. So, can so. you choose not to finish high school in the States? No, you're okay. not. You're not a lot like... Okay. I mean, of, of course, if you, if, you're, if you drop out or whatever, that's just what it is, but you're supposed to finish high school. So you can drop out. You can choose I think if you're to an, drop If you're out. an adult, if okay. you're 18 years old as a senior in high school, I believe you have the right and ability to do that. Hmm. Um, often the people who don't finish high school are people who um, either run away or yeah. troublemakers or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, that makes um, sense. Yeah. But yeah, it is required um, because it is a public, it's like one of our, you know, one of our few kind of public things, I guess, that we. Pay so, what do you what for. do you call when uh, when someone studies to become like a lawyer or a doctor? Is that just college, or is that called something different? Because yeah, that would co- be university uh, for us, and then marketing managers, which is a little bit less. Sci- I don't even know how to translate this into like the American <laughs> education system, but yeah, Higher college, education. university, who, same. Yeah, uh, university is like the name of certain colleges i guess you Mm. could say so like you know out here there's a popular one called vanderbilt university but yeah but it's a college it's the same the word college the word college and university go hand in hand here so it's Uh, like okay what college did you go to i went to vanderbilt university okay that makes sense yeah so (laughs) for us we would have university and college basically oh you didn't I didn't go to any, I, I went for a year and a half to a community college. I was going to go to art school and like 
study animation because at the time I wanted to like work for Pixar. That was kind of my dream at the time was to actually do um, 3D animation. But I started, I was a magician at the time too. I don't know if you knew that, but I was a professional illusionist um, for years before I ever even did video professionally. That's so, cool. That seems to be a that. common thing. Either either a YouTuber is or in the in in our niche is either a magician <laughs> or a skater boy. <laughs> you know, yeah. there is a few different there is a few different categories. I've talked about this multiple times on the show, but yeah, I met Peter McKinnon like 7 years ago at a magic conference before either one of us did any YouTube. So um, That's so you may funny. remember me because we we did have quite a long interaction and we were friends on Vimeo before Vimeo. anything happened. So yeah, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was a, a, pro- a professional magician for a couple years for like six years, and then I started doing video and I dropped out because I was doing shows and also shooting weddings. So I was like, yeah, cool. I, so I you- felt like college wasn't necessary for the type yeah. of work I was doing. I think that is a whole like a whole different thing in the US because it's so expensive as well compared to here like I so I sure. studied international business management uh which is completely different than what I'm doing right now but um here uh, tuition is 2000 euros a year not like 20000 or whatever it is over there so it's way more sure. affordable so here it's kind of normal and natural to go to uni after you graduated high school i think even in the Scandina- uh, scandinavian countries like sweden it's free mm-hmm. so it's a no brainer to continue doing your studies although i think that when it comes to yeah it's cheap I- to go to community school it's cheap to go to like a, a normal school here Mm-hmm. you know 4000 4 6000 or whatever for like yeah. a basic school but when you go to those higher level like you know universities or special specialist art schools especially those are like you know 60000 a year or whatever but <laughs> we're, which we're, is ridiculous what? it's so stupid yeah but i i've always i've always wondered because i i didn't go to school to learn any of this and i get why people do but then at the same time like i feel like when it comes to video editing or filmmaking in general you learn you, you learn the best by doing not by necessarily going to school and learning all of these rules totally. and story arcs and whatever you know i feel like if you just do it and you have an intuition and you just have a gut feeling of how to how to edit which i think that you also develop and you learn things along the way like obviously you learn for example when it comes to me as a you know as a youtuber i learn that there are certain ways to edit your video you know um yeah I don't I don't necessarily think that it is mandatory to go to film school in order to become a creator or a, uh, any, any any person in it's, the film industry. It's, cer- it's certainly not required when you get offered a, a job or an opportunity. Nobody ever asks like, before I hire you, can I please see your diploma? Are you <laughs> are you a certified uh like a uh, video editor? Let me see that diploma. Yeah. Um but versus if you're a doctor or a lawyer um you i would hope that my doctor who's performing brain surgery went to (laughs) medical school i'd hope so too same well i i have one last question to ask you uh before we get going it has been almost two hours so this is awesome um if you could change one thing about youtube if you had like a magic wand and you could change one thing about it what would you change Hmm. What would I change? I 
I would probably okay I can I can only choose one thing right I'm thinking of a few things now first of all I would I'm, I'm just gonna say two first <laughs> you can of do all two, that's fine okay first of all I would change the importance of thumbnails I totally understand why they are that important but I hate making thumbnails with a passion every time my video is done it's uploaded I have a title and it gets delayed because who didn't make a thumbnail me <laughs> and then I need to go and shoot a thumbnail and I need to do all these stupid faces for th and people ask me why do you do those stupid faces because you click on my stupid face that's why you know <laughs> so that would be it would be really nice to just go back to basic like back to i don't even know what year Text it was only. 20 <laughs> yeah or or just like the, the whatever whatever youtube picks for you you know mm -hmm. i would love to go back to that time so that's something that i would change and then secondly i think in general on the one hand i do love the youtube game on the other hand sometimes I would like to have a little bit more freedom and you know I, I know that Sarah Sarah Dici she talks about it a lot where she she makes a video that isn't necessarily in her niche and YouTube immediately kind of punishes her for that I would love <laughs> that to change a little bit as well yeah that's those are two very fair uh points what about you <laughs> you're, you're good i i don't often people don't ask me questions on the podcast so that's great um well it's a conversation I so like, i, I want to I know like those i like your answers actually as much as i enjoy the game and think it's fun to to do i actually enjoy the thumbnails um but that's because i've always focused like over the last couple of years i i make that part of the whole process so it's like before sometimes even before we shoot it we you know would edit it or like conceptualize the thumbnail before that's we even shoot best, the video that's the best way to go about it i never do it for me it's an afterthought but it's it's the best way is to have your title and your thumbnail ready before you do anything else so that's i remember great. who said that first that it resonated with me I, oh i remember it was um i interviewed a guy from uh john rettinger who's a tech youtuber I had his video editor on the show and he mentioned how like before they even shoot a video, they sit around a table and they come up with concepts and titles on a whiteboard and they just write down titles and then they come up with a thumbnail and a title because he's like, we're all proficient video creators. We know how to edit and how to shoot. So we have no concern whether or not we can make a video. We know we can make any video that we come up with. So we start with the thumbnail and title and make sure that that's attractive first and then make the video because we know we can make the video. Yeah, I love that. I also love that they have a team. I was talking to this, uh, I don't know if you know yeah. him. He's a Dutch YouTuber called Kwebbelkop. He's a, I think he's like the <laughs> Definitely big, not. He's, he's in gaming. That's so he's, funny. Yeah, it's amazing. Ahead. Yeah, it's like YouTube is a, a worldwide uh, website and there's creators all over the world that uh, Americans have no idea who they yeah, are. Yeah, but it's funny because he is the biggest Dutch YouTuber and I think that his audience is mainly in the US. So that's why I thought you may have heard okay. of him. What's but his name? I uh Kwebbelkop. Let me do you want me what to DM it's it's <laughs> K it's K W. Okay. Are you typing it? 
Okay, yeah, I, I see it popping up now as yeah. I do K-W-E-B-B-E-L-K-O-P. Yes, 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 15 million subs. Yeah, so I was talking okay. to I was talking to him. I went to this uh, dinner with uh, Jelly Smack, and he was there as well. And we talked about it, and he showed me his process, and he was mm. talking about, you know, how he has a thumbnail guy, and he has his whole team. And I was like, oh, I'm so jealous of that. I'm so jealous of people who have an entire team that huh. you can just sit down. He's not, he's not doing well. He's, he's got not? 15 million subs, and he's getting seven under 100k he's getting 59,000 views and he's got 15 million subs that's not good let's see i don't know i don't even see i don't see anything with a million views from even a month ago he does upload every day every day though but i don't know honestly it's just I don't watch his content because it's not my cup of tea, like the whole gaming <laughs> sure. thing. But I was just, the the reason why I mentioned him is because he talked about having a team just like you just talked about with the uh, video sure. editor. And just being able to sit at a table with other people and to <clears throat> sketch out thumbnails together, to talk about that together, to, you know, write, write down titles together. That is something... That is something you can do for free by having friends and reaching oh, out to them that. and calling them. Oh, and, definitely. You know. I do that. Yeah. But it's different. In-person energy is different than doing everything 100%. online, you know? So that's just... Or on uh, the... I call, I call about two creators a week just to, like, chat, and um, we'll kind of talk about that yeah. stuff. I think it's really valuable to have... If you can find anybody yeah. uh, like you, mm-hmm. that's especially somebody who's better that has you know more experience to um bounce yeah. those ideas off and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your niche either you know it's sometimes yeah, sometimes sometimes it can be really good to have like an accountability buddy or partner who's outside the niche looking in you know totally. there's there are some things that they may not know about but in general having an accountability buddy like i have i have a friend as well that we we watch each other's videos we give uh we give feedback we talk about we talk about titles and thumbnails and all of these things and it has helped me so much to not just be in my own head and just negotiate with myself and brainstorm with (laughs) myself but still nothing nothing trumps being in a room with other people and talking about that stuff you know 100 percent but yeah, so although, back to the... Qu- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Although we've done a two-hour conversation, it does feel like we're having coffee. True. true. Having a discussion. It's because the video. The video helps. True. True. It's a webcam video, so it feels more casual as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Maybe yeah. I'll start using the webcam instead of my real camera. Yeah, it's... maybe. I, I mean, that could be the new thing, right? Like, we're all downgrading to the ZV-1 now, too. So this might be the next thing. Oh, let's talk about... Oh, gosh. It's already been you, two hours. If you hours, want to talk about yeah. it, it's fine. Let's talk about so it. So you sw- switched to the ZV-1? I did. I I love that camera because the color on it is great. I feel like Sony has really nailed their color science. Yes. And the, the color is great on it. Um, just in the standard profile without picture profiles turned on, I like it. And then the flip screen it. is great. The built-in... Having a built-in mic that's decent is actually pretty cool. The fact yes. that you don't have to put a, a mic on it. It does have a microphone jack. So if you really want to, you could put a, a, a you know, a boom mic on it. But the fact that the built-in one is, is decent is actually kind of nice. I agree. So I, I got the A6600 for vlogging. Um, but I realized 
that it was keeping me from vlogging because it was mm. it was big and in the Netherlands at least you know we're not really used to vloggers or whatever you have to have a license or they will ask you do you have permission do you have like a license to vlog inside this building you know <laughs> so you can't really go anywhere with the uh, with the A6600 like even when it was turned off and I would hold it in my hand because it has this external microphone and it looks big and it looks professional everyone would always ask me what I was going to do with the camera so it was for me it it really kept me from making vlogs and then i was in sweden with uh with peter and he had the zv1 and i was like i i love this little thing it's so tiny you can put it in your pocket i you can even put it in a woman's pocket which says a lot about the size of the of the camera and it is like you said the built-in mi microphone it's good enough the colors are good enough i don't do any post-processing most of the time when it comes to my vlog it's just raw put it on the timeline cut it up add some music have some fun with it and that is it and the flippy screen is also really great like i love everything about it the only two things that i hate about it is the battery life it's really bad mm. and what i i don't hate this but I wish, I wish that the lens was just a little bit wider for vlogging. Do you shoot in 4K or 1080? Uh, 4K, I think. I, I think if, yeah, 4K, I think. I think it crops in a little bit in 4K. You could I'm not sure. Switch to 1080. I know that and the um, that the active... the stabilization turns it in. Yeah. Yeah, but I tried shooting without the like even with the stabilization, it's super shaky, and without the stabilization, yeah. I just cannot handle it. So it needs to be cropped in just a little bit. But Should yeah. Put it on a like a little selfie stick or whatever i guess but yeah i could do that but then it makes the setup a little bit bigger again and i really I like that i can just put it in my pocket no one notices it and i can just quickly shoot some stuff in a store walking around you know totally but yeah it's I a feel like, great um, it's so somebody needs to make a uh like a like a 16 to 35 equivalent version of that you know that'd yes. be awesome Yes, that's exactly what I would love. I it's but it, just you could sorry. get the ZVE10 with like uh the 10 to 18 on it or something. But then again, then you, need you, a you lens. have the problem it's, of it. Mm. You have the problem of it looking more like a camera at that point. So. Yeah, and this also, you know, when someone does notice that you're you're filming with this camera, they often think that it's for a hobby and not necessarily for because that's the totally. thing with the bigger cameras, they think that it's commercial or professional, and for that you would need some sort of a license or um, uh, approval from the management in whatever store or cafe you're at. But with this little thing, they could just think that I'm some tourist just shooting some stuff, and it's fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's just and, I don't. Uh, the I, autofocus is just incredible too obviously yes it's the, the same sony autofocus that yes. we're used to and and the aperture um, is also really great in my opinion it goes down to 1.8 yeah and the one the one inch sensor is is plenty big enough to give you some nice bokeh it's got yeah. a built-in nd filter inside of it too which is kind of cool true true it's really um, but what i've noticed so i went to uh paris slow-mo is crazy on it too i haven't really tried that yet i still need to try that i haven't but, yeah, the slow-mo looks so good. But I mean, it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it online, but I haven't tried it myself yet. But when I went to uh, to Paris in December, I, um, I I vlogged the entire trip. But then that was the moment where I noticed that the dynamic range isn't as great. You know, obviously, you cannot really expect you cannot really expect like uh, A7S three quality or A7 three quality in in the ZV one. I think that the ZV one is. A fantastic camera and I love it and especially compared to the a6600 for vlogging I think the zv1 is a way better fit but when you are walking outside and usually I put my ISO on 
um, on auto, but outside I just put it on the lowest one, which is I think 100. And I use the ND filter. You could still see that it's having a hard time capturing everything, keeping the details in there. But, you know, you cannot really sure. ask for everything for like six, seven hundred bucks, you know? Yeah, I think if you're starting out a YouTube channel, it's the perfect tool. It's small, oh, compact, dude. Yes. cheap. Yes. Um, you get the autofocus, get the flip screen. Um, obviously, the battery life is an issue, but there are workarounds. You could, in theory, have like a little um, external power Thing that you plug in over USB. I'm sure there's different grips and accessories and cages that you could get for it now to build yeah. it out to have batteries. I just um, have these super cheap. Let me. Can I find them? Just like little knockoff Amazon batteries, basically. Yeah, I can't find it now, but I have these. Um, I have one or I have two original Sony ones, but they are way more expensive than the knockoff ones. And then I was like, you oh, know yeah. what? I probably for my trips, I probably need a few more batteries. So I just got three for 20 bucks or something, including a charger. So that's another Perfect. way. It's annoying. Just swap when, them out. Yeah. yeah, it's annoying to have to swap them out. But honestly, if that's the worst thing, then I think it's still pretty, pretty good. And they're small. There's the batteries are tiny, so you could yes. keep a couple in your pocket, even your even your woman pockets. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a great, it's a great camera, and I. For the for the for the purpose of vlogging, I like it more than the A sixty six hundred. Also, the colors on the A sixty six hundred, they have the little like the greenish look that you don't they have, have the on older, the CV one. Yeah. They have the older color science. Yeah, Sony's really solved the skin tone problem with this with the all of the new cameras have better yeah. skin tones. It's funny because when you mentioned like if you're beginning on YouTube, the ZV one is a great camera. I totally agree. I got the um, iPhone twelve Pro as my vlogging camera because the cameras were so amazing i have to disagree with that <laughs> i just yeah. i tried to vlog on this thing a few times on my iphone and i was so disappointed every time i was so disappointed which yeah. is why i ended up going for the zv1 which it i still think... looks like a iphone yeah it still looks yes, like yes and the lens camera. flares and there's this w weird hdr i guess you can turn that off but it's just like it's not what i thought it would be so, yeah. and compared to the ZV-1, I would definitely say the ZV-1 is a great choice. So if you have a little bit of a budget, then um, mm -hmm. you will not regret getting the ZV-1. I see 100. so many people getting the ZV-1 now, you know, it's, it's yeah, a great, it's, it's great. a great camera. Um, I, I had a conversation with, uh, I told you about the, uh, my interview with um, Oscar, who's Jeff, Jeff Wittick's guy. Yes. Um, and they vlog on the ADD still. Mm -hmm. And like he said, there's something about the ADD with that kit lens that like it just has a great vlog kind of feel with the zoom as like a comedic effect. And like the weight of it is kind of perfect. Like it, the weight kind of stabilizes it. Um, but <clears throat> it looks like a real camera. So you're going to go into places and people might think that you're a professional, but they don't use a microphone. They just use the built-in mics. Yeah. Just like David Dobrik does. And I asked him, I was like, why do you guys, like, why don't you put a mic on it? He's like, the built-in mic, like, he's like, I've done tests. It's not that bad. Like, the built-in mic on the ADD in particular is pretty good. And um, it picks up everything. So, like, even people behind the camera, it picks up the audio pretty well. Like, the David Dobrik laugh that's, like, so uh, <laughs> famous yeah. with his content like you can totally hear him laughing even though he's behind the camera and that's because the built-in mics kind of capture a full 360 of everything that's um, true and kind of the amateurish 
like sound and quality kind of makes it feel more authentic in a way. So yeah, and I think that that is something that a lot of people like naturally you would think that they would use like the best cameras right but for some i know also with with logan paul with hayden they shoot things it's all very strategic using i'm not saying that they're i don't know what camera they're using but using like not a top of the line camera could also be a strategic decision you know and for example when it comes to my vlogs they're also a bit raw they aren't perfectly shot because that's not who what my personality is like per se so i think that it captures me in a more authentic way to keep it a little bit messy and that exactly. doesn't necessarily mean that david dobrik or whoever or casey neistat he's very he's very well known for his kind of like messy filming and editing doesn't mean that they are not they don't have the skills it's also a creative choice and the camera that you're using is also a creative choice you don't need to get the a7s3 uh, to be a great creator if you want to shoot like a bunch of high quality cinematic quote-unquote cinematic stuff maybe but if you just want to shoot like david dobrik zv1 would be fine or whatever what was he using the d the add the add the Canon the ADD yeah. with the kit lens and the built-in mic. Is he still yeah. using that though? I thought I thought still, I saw him. No, really? They're not. He hasn't gone 4K. It's still 1080. It's like the built-in everything. Oh. Um, in terms of like, so the, he, there's no color grading. He uses iMovie to edit, and he makes tens of millions of dollars a year. Emma Chamberlain also uses iMovie, which is just again just use whatever you have just use whatever works yeah. for you you know i think that especially in our niche you can get very distracted or or even a little bit insecure that you don't have the best gear and yeah. everyone always everyone's like gear doesn't matter and then every time they upgrade to the newest <laughs> gear right but it doesn't mean that you yeah, actually exactly. that you actually need it <laughs> exactly that's so yeah, funny i think and yeah i, w I definitely want to say that um in this podcast because we were talking about a $5,000 laptop and how everybody should go buy one but it's not even necessary to do that like you were able to get away with the $800 PC for so many years I was able to use a MacBook Air as my main computer for years when I first started my YouTube career I was on a baseline 13 inch I think I paid $900 for it and I that was my main computer for like five years or something before I upgraded to the 16 inch um, so not this i i got the previous 16 inch with the intel chip that was the yeah. first like beefy computer i bought in a long time so um it can totally be done with whatever you have and don't let i think that's a great scapegoat or like excuse for people to say like oh i don't have the a7s3 and an m1 max so i can't start my youtube channel and it's like no that's not true you can you can use your you can technically use your iphone yes although yes. if you can save up a little bit of money and buy a zv1 or even an older used camera um you know then that's a better solution in my opinion than an iphone because it looks more like a real camera but yeah. um anyways no i agree yeah. i think that it is i think that it's also but i i, I also get it like i think that some people they use it as an excuse um, but other people, they also just get discouraged because you see 
people like Peter McKinnon, sure. you see, or, or Peter Lindgren's office with filled with gear, you know, you see all these things, you see those amazing videos with like the newest Mavic, whatever it's called. I mean, I don't even know the names, you know, I don't even look at that stuff. Only when I need a drone, I will look at the drones. I didn't, I have no idea which drones are in the market <laughs> right now. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not that much of a gearhead, but I also get that people get discouraged because for example, in Sweden, I use the, what is it called? The Ronin 4D, the new beefy, uh, AF uh, camera from DJI. Yeah. I use mm -hmm. it. It's fantastic. But I also get that people are, they, they see that and they're like, yeah, well, I'm never going to be able to make that kind of content. So never mind, you know? Sure. So I understand that as well. But then I think it also depends. Like, I think that we're very focused on our niche, but people who yeah. listen to this aren't necessarily into the whole filmmaking niche. Maybe they just want to create videos. And in that case, you can shoot on a potato. No one cares, you know, just <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Totally. In our yeah, niche, um, gear matters a little bit, you know, because like you like you said, I don't know if we recorded that bit, but like you said, you know, you need to have the lighting and you need to, it needs mm -hmm. to look a certain way in order for people to buy the fact that you actually know what you're talking about. But yeah. In, 99% of the other niches, you can film on a potato, you can edit in <laughs> iMovie and whatever, like it doesn't matter. Just, it's all about story and, and experience and, um, or totally. giving the viewer an experience, not your experience, you know? Well, on that note, I think that's a great way to, to close out the podcast. Thank you, Leela, for coming on the show. We'll have to have you on again. Thank um, you so much for having subscribe. me. Absolutely. Go subscribe to Leela. I will link it in the description and the show notes. Um, Leela on YouTube and everywhere. That's where you can find her. Leela from YouTube. Like... <laughs> yeah, Leela from YouTube. Yes. Sorry. Even um, though I don't like it, I've ex I've surrendered. Just accept the fact that that's your that's the brain decision that you decided to make when you yes. created those accounts. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on, and I'm glad we were able to make it work with the times uh, time difference and everything. So. Me um, too. Thank you for waking up so early to to have this conversation with me. I'm honored. <laughs> Well, the truth is, I yeah, I woke up at 6.30, I started getting ready, and then, like I said, my my oldest son came downstairs while I was making the coffee and everything, and I, that whole, he was like, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, it, it all worked out. Um, but yeah, we'll have to, if you're ever in Nashville, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're ever going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, but if you are, let me know. We'll I'll let you know. Yes. We'll go get some food. And uh, if anything, we, we might run into each other at another conference at some point. So Yes. And if you're ever on this side of the ocean, then let me know. We I, would could, love, uh... I would love that. Oh, my yes, gosh. Yes. That would be so I've fun. I've been dying to go over there. Have you so. ever been here? Um, I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to London, cool. but that's it. Okay, cool. Well, Amsterdam is close enough. Or Germ Germany. I've been okay. to Germany. Cool. Uh, went to Cologne or Cologne. Yeah. For photo the last photo Kina ever. I went to the last one. That was fun. But anyways. Cool. Thanks Sarah, for coming on the show. <laughs> let's let's stop now. Let's just shut up we're now. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be going on all these different tangents and like yeah, rabbit trails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four anyways, hours later in SpongeBob voice. Okay, <laughs> yes, bye. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye.